Hello, you're listening to History and Hope, the history podcast from a Baptist perspective. I'm Mark West. And I'm Matthew Lyon. And today our topic is on the First Baptist in Ireland with special guest Dr. Micah Caswell. Before we introduce our guest, I was doing some historical work with my children today and introduced them to the classic artistic expression known as the 1992 X-Men, the animated series. Ah, yes. On Disney+. Plus. Yes. Yeah, my Have wife, you seen it? Well, I haven't seen it personally, but my wife has been watching it constantly. Yes. Classic multi-episode storytelling. Uh, it was my favorite show growing up, so my kids are now forced to watch it. It's held up pretty well. On the more serious historical accounts, we're going to be talking about the first Baptist church planner in Ireland. He planted the first Baptist church in 1650. We have with us special guest Dr. Micah Caswell, who is the lead pastor at Redeemer Church of Denton, Texas. Uh, where's Denton, Texas? Is that near Dallas? Yeah, we're north of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, about 45 minutes north of both Dallas and Fort Worth. It's the home okay. of the University of North Texas, the mean green eagles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my brother lives in Tyler, or yeah. near Tyler, one of those little towns out there. So my whole family's from Texas. No oh, good. My dad actually went to Southwestern. I think he went there, too. Okay. Yeah, my, my MDiv is from Southwestern. Okay. So, yeah, so you have a degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. Southwestern Toronto Baptist Seminary. Now I'm is, starting to collect them. Yeah, I know that is. Now, did you know Dr. Haken, Michael Haken, at Toronto? I did. That, that, that's what led me to uh, Toronto. I, I've actually only been to Toronto once. Uh, it was all special studies with Dr. Haken, but the, the THM is under Dr. Haken at Toronto Baptist okay. Seminary, and and this book is actually the the thesis um, uh, from the THM program there. Okay. Now, uh, Dr. Hagen was probably my favorite lecturer at Southern. He's amazing. He's, yes. he's one of my heroes, for sure. Yeah, and then you got a, a demon from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is a, it's an all right school, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're brothers in arms from there, right? That's right. <laughs> now, when did you graduate from there? I think you got the real doctorate, though. Yeah, well, depends <laughs> on the context, I suppose. <laughs> uh, when, when did you graduate there? Uh, graduated 2013. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we might I'm have actually... my diploma. <laughs> <laughs> we might have actually passed uh, cross paths. I started in 2012. Okay. So we probably passed each other on the way to Norton Hall or something. Yeah. Well, I've I've always kind of had um, you know, academics is maybe maybe this is the wrong way to say it, but it's kind of been a hobby to me where. Pastoral ministry has always kind of been the, the first thing, and so okay. I did the demon there. So I, you know, we we fly in and do it right. and you can fly out. So, so actually, a lot of our uh, listeners would be interested in this. Would you? Could you say something about the sort of distance learning program? Uh, some a lot of guys, a lot of listeners here are pastors full time, but they want to pursue education, so they've asked about distance learning. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I didn't read a book cover to cover until like my the end of college, and I felt called <laughs> into ministry. And so then I became very passionate about learning and, and reading and studying. And so um, so I kind of have maybe a unique educational journey, um, kind of a late bloomer maybe. Um, I think for, you know, the pastoral ministry, that MDiv program, I think that that ought to be done in a context of community. So I think if you can, if you can be on campus for that, where you can have 
other brothers where you're processing things with. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's the best way to do it. Um, I also think it's very good to be in a local church while you're doing that under a pastor. Lots of times, you know, living in a community uh, in a church with a pastor, you know, really helps you navigate, you know, what are the most important things. Um, but then, you know, beyond that, I think the distance learning thing is great. So I think for a DMIN or, you know, a PhD program, a THM program, I think that that's great because I think the the focus at that stage of the game is your professor and your topic, and so right. you know, that's that's a Skype call and a good library and you know and a good laptop. So right, uh, I think I think that that's you know I think those are the keys at that stage of the game. Yeah. Okay. So on the topic of learning, you wrote the, well. You have a book coming out soon. Thomas that's Patient. Right. Uh, so it's Thomas Patient, the father of the Irish Baptist Church. With uh, through H and E Publishing, and does that have a release date yet? Uh, it it does not. This December of 2019. So, so. that's that's oh. the latest that I've heard. So I think okay, I, I, I complicated it. I wanted to add something to it late in the game, and so I think it's, uh. it's down. <laughs> I added an appendix. So, well, I was speaking to one of the editors at H and E Publishing, and they promised us a free copy of the book to give to one of our hey, listeners. No. Yeah, so one of our listeners. And a later podcast, we'll get a free ep- free copy of this book. Very so good. it's a little perk for listening. So uh, I was not familiar with this person, and I have a PhD in Baptist history, so <laughs> that means this book is sort of groundbreaking. And so for our listeners, were could you give us just a, a background on just sort of the general setting in England, even Europe, uh, of when this man was was in ministry? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thank you for the setup because that's that's part of the driver on writing the book is he's he's just a little known figure, um, especially to um, or even to Baptist scholars. Um, and so I think it, it needed to be there needed to be some focus on him. Um, yeah. The yeah. political climate around patient during that time is um, he's he's his ministry is during the English Civil War. And so. Um, it's a very, um, I mean, it's, it's a war going on. I mean, they, uh, they kill the king. Um, I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a violent, scary time. Thomas Patient himself, along with, you know, people like, uh, John Bunyan and others, they spend time in jail, uh, for their religious convictions. Um, so it's, it's a scary period of time. Um, it's also a time of, um, you know, in the English Civil War, there's political things going on, like what is the role of parliament and what is the role of the monarch? Uh, so, so those things are happening. And at the same time, there's some real questions about the nature of the church and its relationship uh, to the government. And so uh, you have a lot of and, – and the English uh, Reformation is happening all at the same time. And so uh, you have people questioning – what is a church supposed to be? What is the pure church? And because it's Reformation, they're going back to the Bible for those for those questions. And so out of that time, even though it's a very uh, tumultuous uh, season, really the the, the main uh, Protestant denominations all are birthed kind of generally around that time, uh, minus the Methodists. So you have the, the Congregationalists, the Presbyterians, there's this you know, interesting category of independence. And then you have the Baptist are all birthed in that time. And and it's really, all of those are birthed out of a uh, discussion on ecclesiology. What is, what does the Bible say on how we're supposed to organize the church? 
Yeah, so just to be more specific, uh, in case you don't know the English Civil War, that was 1660-ish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so uh, as Americans tend to do, we're always focused on America. What was happening in America in 1660? <laughs> that would have been the colonial period, before the obviously before the Revolutionary War. Uh, so one of the things I noticed in the book, you talked about the relationship between patient and Baptist in general and the government. And how that relationship changed beginning of the Civil War, uh, English Civil War, during the English Civil War, and then afterwards. And then you have this, you have this quote. You said that the Baptists enjoyed some political support, but however, their political demise left them a pure religious mo- uh, movement. I thought that was interesting. How would, uh, could you, what do you mean by that? They lost political support and that left them a pure religion? Yeah, I, I think, and, and I, I think that's a helpful concept uh, because I think in many ways that's happening in America today. Um, I I think the, the Baptists and other groups at different times would lose. And and this happens with patient and the Irish Baptists. They initially have um, a a lot of uh, political clout with the Cromwellian government in Ireland, but then they lose that political clout. Um, But in losing that political clout, um, it forces them back into, okay, wait, what are, what are we really supposed to be? And so it's a purification that happens. And, and I, and in a similar way, I think in, in America right now, and I, I, you guys are up north, but even in a place where I'm at in Texas, traditionally someone, for instance, if they wanted to start an insurance business or a real estate business, they could move into a, a Texas town, join the largest evangelical church and build a business out of that. So there was, mm-hmm. you know, there was even financial gain. I mean, not, not in a, you know, th- that's not necessarily bad, but, uh, but there's that business and sometimes political pressure uh, to tow the religious line. Well, if that's taken away, if those incentives aren't there, right. Uh, right. Then, then you're there for pure, more pure reasons. And, and that happens with the Baptist in, in this era. So, so this would you said mentioned John Bunyan, so something similar happened to him, uh, and being thrown in prison. And you said Patient was also thrown into prison. Yeah, so so Bunyan's in jail as part of the what what's called the the Clarendon Code, and so that's a series of laws. Once um, the king is reinstated, um, he he in a dishonest way really. Um, you know, comes back under the guise of, hey, he's going to be tolerant uh, of the separatists and others who are outside the Church of England. But when he comes back in, um, that that's not the case. And so they begin to act enact these laws um, against the nonconformists and separatist Baptists and, and the, this whole group. And so these guys are all caught up into that. And, and that then that's when Bunyan uh, spends time in jail and, and writes his famous book. But Patient is caught up in that as well. Right. So would you say that the so this is early Baptist history, yeah. That that part of the Baptist tradition is is defined by its sort of negative relationship with the government. It was developed in an era where they were dealing with a lot of persecution. Yeah, and I I think more fundamentally though it was asking uh, it's an ecclesi- ecclesiological question. I mean, what what is the church and how should the church function? Right. But in that right. in that climate that they lived in, that was also a political question. For for Americans, that's less so. 
but for, for most Christians throughout history, that's also a political question, and, and that was for them. Okay. Um, I think, honestly, that's one of the biggest questions I think America's facing is yeah. what is the relationship between, especially Baptists, who've sort of had sure. this tradition of separation of church and state, some persecution, but in America, I'd say the past 100, 200 years, have seen a lot of political connections. Yeah. How, do we, how do we let our theology and our ecclesiology sort of drive our political engagement and not the other way around? And I think looking back at these early Baptists to see how they did it, is, a, is sort of a guide for us. Now, speaking of other Baptist churches, you mentioned that to understand the British Baptist, specifically the particular Baptist and, and Thomas Patient, that you have to see other how they related to other Baptist churches. So you have a quote here. It says, The British particular Baptist movement was not merely made up of churches that shared an ecclesiology. They were a group that had deep relational connections, reaching the, reaching the degree that they sought counsel from each other and felt a conviction to rebuke each other. There were also churches that sought to partner together to spread the gospel and plant churches. And I think in the book you talk about how that sort of worked out practically and how important it was to Thomas Patient and just Baptists in general. Yeah, so so Thomas Patient is one of 15 signers of the um, the first London Confession of Faith in 1644. And, and I think that really marks... Um, the, the, the founding of the, the particular Baptist as a movement. Uh, reason being is, is they distinguish themselves as, as not Anabaptist. And, and clearly by their statement, they're trying to say, we're reformed Calvinistic, uh, believers, but we're also Baptist. But if, if you can trace some of those, uh, men and those churches, they continue to relate to each other. So they, they define their doctrine on who they are. Uh, but then they continue to work together for, you know, for missionary purposes um, uh, and, and, and other purposes as well. So, for example, when patient goes to Ireland and, and this is the result of, um, you know, Cromwell uh, goes to Ireland to conquer the Irish. And uh, he takes with him initially John Owen mm-hmm. and John Owen comes back and, and has a famous sermon to Parliament where he kind of gives uh, uh, maybe a. a a report on the state of the Reformation in Ireland, and and basically is calling Parliament to allocate funds to send army chaplains over with Cromwell's army to spread the gospel in Ireland. And so, you know, this is I think that's for 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 American ears, uh, that's interesting because what Owen is doing is he's asking the government to give money to fund missionaries to spread the Protestant gospel to the Irish. Yeah. Um, and, and so Thomas patient participates in that. So he is paid by the government as an army chaplain. And he also then goes around into the, you know, the Irish population, uh, and plants these churches while, while he's over there, some, some controversies erupt at different points, but he'll, um, in addressing those controversies, um, he continues to correspond with, uh, the London Baptist churches to get their opinions on things. And, and in fact, um, his uh, partner, uh, William Kiffin, really pleads with him to change his position on something and gives a warning about not being too closely affiliated with the Fifth Monarchy movement. Um, and, and Patient and the other Irish Baptists uh, heed that, you know, heed that warning. And so it's an example of how they're relating to each other, discussing something, hearing each other out and cooperating 
um, on things. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, to our independent Baptist listeners, we're independent yeah. Baptists, so we're not speaking ill. Uh, yeah. Do you feel that that relational, associational aspect is, is has always been important to Baptists? Or has always been a key, and especially, well, maybe during the early days, as Baptists developed into a distinct movement and tradition. Was that a necessary part of what they were doing? I, I think it's an early, um, I, I don't think it's the, you know, mark of what it means to be a Baptist. So I think someone can be a, a Baptist and not, uh, and, and be an independent Baptist, so not relate like in associations like uh, Southern Baptists do. However, I think in the early, that first generation of particular Baptists, you, you do see that. They do begin to relate in what becomes um, what we would identify as associations. So they, they develop those associations. Um, so, so I think it's a mark of them, um, right. but, and, and, but not all of them, because the particular Baptists weren't the only uh, vein of Baptist even. And so, um, and, and, and in fact, I would, you know, I think— uh, Religious tolerance. I don't think that's the Baptist marker either, but I think you see it early on. Uh, but but I've written a book about Thomas Patience who uh, does not display like a Roger Williams type understanding of a ch- separation of church and state. He takes government money to evangelize the lost. So yeah, um, and yeah. he and, and I would argue he he tries to establish a Baptist settlement in Ireland. Um, hmm. So that again, that's not. That's not what we would understand as religious <laughs> tolerance either. So, right, yeah. Well, I have a quote here. Uh, speaking of religious tolerance and Anabaptist tradition, uh, it says, "Patient closes his testimony by claiming that the devil himself was misleading people to believe infant baptism. He also claims that it is Satan behind those who attack Baptists on the grounds that they were somehow related to the violent Anabaptists." So, <laughs> you make it. You, yeah. <laughs> So he, so you mentioned it before, but when we're speaking of tradition, separation, church, and state, Baptist and Thomas Patience particularly wanted people to know that he was not an Anabaptist, correct? Yes, and that's, I mean, from that statement, of course, but but also, and I don't chase it too much in the book, but but, but the title of the 1644 Confession notes that they are trying to distinguish themselves from the Anabaptist. Um, it, it be, they say that they're falsely called Anabaptists. So, you know, it's, it's very clear that that vein and group of Baptists in England at that time are, are disassociating with the Anabaptist tradition. So if, if Baptists today want to go back and say, listen, our roots are in the Anabaptist movement, I think maybe you can on, on certain Baptists, especially, you know, general Baptists and Arminian Baptists, but, but not the, not the Reformed particular Baptist. Right. Uh, now, you did mention the, the sort of essential Baptist distinctives. So you have a quote here. Thomas Patience's life and ministry teach contemporary historians and theologians that regenerate church membership is the Baptist distinction. And do you see that? So that's what you see as like the heart of at least Thomas Patience's view of, Bab- of being a Baptist. Yes, I, I, I do. And, and I think and what I try to do is, is to pit that um, against um, especially soul competency. Um, I, I think regenerate church membership, and, and maybe they, they're uh, entwined but uh, in some ways, but uh, the idea of, of religious liberty or uh, separation of church and state, those are, those are not uh, you know, what it means to be a Baptist. It, it's really your understanding of, uh, um, uh, of regenerate church membership, and, and thus in specifically holding to believers' baptism by immersion. 
Right. Now, the Congregationalists were big during this time, too. Did you see any relationship between Baptists, Congregationalists, or how they how they worked it out? Or I, From what I've seen, there's a lot of maybe even the origins of Baptists could come out of Congregationalism. Did you see that with Thomas Patient? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of overlap. I mean, <laughs> Baptists would love to claim, you know, someone like, like a John Owen or right. others. But, um, but I think he's best described as an independent, would be classified as an independent. Um, but, but also congregationalism um, is broad in some ways. I mean, for instance, the, the New England faith that a patient references in his, in his work is, is a congregational faith, and, and he rejects that, and, and thus a warrant is put out for his arrest, and he has to flee from the American colonies back to, back to England. But um, I think a ground of Baptist ecclesiology is Matthew 18 and, a, and an understanding that the authority of the local church is ultimately in the congregation. So they're, they're, they are independent in that way. Right. Yeah, that, that's interesting that he had to flee America to England. For religious freedom. It's <laughs> pretty fascinating. Uh, then this last quote, and maybe speak to this as a pastor and a historian to pastors. It says, Patience' theology of believer's baptism was also rooted in his commitment to Christian discipleship. Let me just talk about how studying history can directly affect our understanding of discipleship, how we can learn from these men and then apply it in the church. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I have a number of thoughts. I you know, I, I personally just love history. I, I enjoy it. There's a story component to it that's enjoyable. Um, so it's maybe easy to digest than, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you know, than reading something that's that's high theology. Uh, with the story component, I think it just it, it helps more people engage it. I also think uh, relating history to discipleship, um, y- you you learn perspective when you read when you know our history, when you read our history. So, for example, I think American uh, Christians, we feel very persecuted. And I hear persecuted thrown around a lot. I think a better word for that is vilification. I, I think mm-hmm. Christians in America are being vilified. But I, I'm a pastor, and I just I haven't been thrown in jail yet, you know, for my right. Baptist beliefs. And so I, I think when we have laws that and I, and I think some laws are. I think it would be hard for a Christian in America to be a pharmacist, and they're made to give a drug to someone that goes against their Christian conviction. So there, there's beginning to be, um, you know, professions in this country that I, I think are really close to being persecuted, you know, for being a Christian. But but it just it just doesn't come close to the Clarendon Code and things like that. And so I think it helps give us some perspective. But it also, and again, relating it to contemporary issues, um, understanding our history enables you to kind of trace ideas. Okay, how did they get to this point? And and so, okay, if you can see it maybe as a slippery slope somewhere, it, it can give us, again, perspective. Okay, well, where are we on a similar slippery slope? And so that's right. I, for, for me personally, I think that's where history has been helpful in my discipleship. It's just to give me perspective um, the final thing I'd say is, and, and Thomas Patient has been this for me, um, reading these things are very inspiring and, and thus encouraging to me. So um, when there's moments where, man, I want to give up or moments where I'm discouraged about something or, or as a pastor in ministry, and I'm discouraged about ministry and man, what, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm such a failure. Why didn't this, why didn't this work? And, um, 
you, you know, I think it's been helpful to see, okay, th- these are the types of things that other pastors sometimes hundreds of years ago uh, struggled with. This is how they dealt with it. These are the, uh, the, the things that they wrote and thought about these things. So um, patient for me became very encouraging. And he, he was a church planter. We planted our church in 2013. And so there was, there was an aspect of that that was very encouraging to me. Uh, there were times um, literally when I would feel the, the burden of church planting and I'd be working on this paper and think, man, if this guy could, you know, take a three month trip uh, to America and then over his convictions, pack up his wife and take another three month trip, <laughs> you know, back, you know, and not compromise on something and then go to a whole other country and start a Baptist movement on the, I mean, if, if this guy uh, had this type of, of, of pioneering spirit um, and, and the Holy spirit was helping him through all that, the Holy spirit will help me through this. And so uh, that that's part of the perspective for me is not just the political stuff and the ethical stuff, uh, but also just the day in day out uh, grind of the Christian life. Sometimes it's for me, it's been very encouraging to see, you know, how other brothers and sisters did it in the past. Yeah, no, I, that's great. Uh, that's a great connection. It's, I think it's understanding, like you said, the Holy Spirit, people haven't changed. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. Um, Satan hasn't changed. So we can look back and see, especially Baptists share the same theology and the same oppositions and the same spiritual battles. And you're right, they made it so we can make it. Yeah, that is really encouraging. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, that was uh, so. Again, your book is called Thomas Patient, the Father of the Irish Baptist Church. So, in case people didn't get that, he planned the first Baptist church in Ireland in 1650, which is always significant. You know, being the first first Baptist church somewhere that's significant. So, if you want to know more about that, pick up the book when it comes out uh, soon, and we'll have a free copy for one of our listeners. And you can also follow. Do you have social media? I do. Um, I'm you want people to know it. Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, you know, all the all the stuff. So, so Micah Caswell, um, if you and, and MicahCaswell.com is my blog, and and you can find me on on Twitter uh, through just Micah Caswell at Micah Caswell. Yeah. So uh, follow him. His book is it's really groundbreaking. Thomas Patient was the first Baptist church in Ireland, and your book is the first book on him. So no one no one's done any research as far as I can tell to this depth. Uh, outside this book. So pick that up when it comes out. And in general, study Baptist history and you'll be a better pastor, I think. Amen. I'll agree on that. Okay, thank you, Dr. Caswell. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at historyandhope.com or message us on Twitter at History and Hope. We also have a Facebook group you can join. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or any podcast app of your choice.